So on the most simple end of the spectrum, we have some investors who use our platform because they want to own a one investment fund, one all-in-one ETF, and that ETF might own other ETFs. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with the term, an ETF is just an exchange-traded fund. So that just means it's an investment fund that trades on a stock exchange and you can buy it or sell it kind of as you please. So these people might want to own one ETF and that's the only thing that they own in their investment account. They still use Passive to manage their portfolio though because Passive will notify them whenever new cash hits their account so that they can log in and get that money invested right away without having to wait for it you know, on the sideline not earning you any returns. So that's kind of like the most basic use case. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I am here today with Nick McCollum. He is the Director of Growth for Passive, which is a portfolio management software used by thousands of people that connects directly to your existing brokerage account. They started Passive with the goal of making DIY investing easier so that more people can invest on their own and build wealth. So Passive allows you to set a target portfolio and get email notifications when your portfolio drifts from that target. Passive then allows you to rebalance with one click. And so I'm getting ready to dive in with this and find out how we got uh, into the passive world and what they're using it for out there today so that hopefully you can apply this in your household. And so with that, uh, Nick, welcome to Money Talkers. Cody, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, I'm excited to talk to you because um, I, I feel like just, I don't know enough about passive, but I feel like it's tackling one of the things that uh, stops a lot of people from doing the most important thing with investing, which is getting started. Um, and, and kind of breaking down the complications of it. So can you kind of walk me through what, um, what your software is and what it does? I think the best way to understand exactly what Passive does is to look and understand the problem that we're trying to solve for people. So the way to think about that, I think, is to understand how Passive was started as a company. One of our co-founders, Brendan Wood, was managing uh, some money for his family and running into lots of kind of difficulties along the way, which kind of conceptualized Passive. So to get into the weeds a little bit, Brendan was managing his own retirement account. He was managing his wife's retirement account. And then he was managing a couple education savings accounts for his kids, basically the uh, equivalent of five through nine plans here in Canada. So what Brendan had to do was he had a target investment allocation for each account, and he would use spreadsheets to track his new contributions to those accounts and calculate what he needed to buy or sell to stay really close to those target allocations. This was all done in a spreadsheet. And it, uh, once he kind of got the output of what trades he needed to make, he would log into his online brokerage and execute all the trades one by one. This did the trick, but it was really manual labor intensive. He had to do lots of manual data entry. He had to enter in all the trades manually. And there was just a really high friction, high touch way of him managing his family's finances. So that's kind of where the original idea for passive came to be. 
The first prototype of Passive was a basic Python script that read Brendan's account holdings from his uh, brokerage account so that he didn't have to do any more manual data entry. It would just spit out and tell him what he needed to trade. Today, we've built on that functionality to do lots more things. And Passive is now uh, a tool that makes it really easy to self-directed, uh, do self-directed investing in your brokerage account. Here's how it works. You create a Passive account, you link your Passive account to your brokerage account, and then you set a target portfolio, which is just the mix of stocks, ETFs, bonds that you want to hold in your account, along with the weights for each of those investments. Passive then does all the sophisticated calculations to let you know what you need to trade to get invested in your target portfolio. And once that's done, Passive allows you to rebalance with one click. So we send your trades off to your brokerage, they get executed and you get back trade confirmations. Passive then periodically monitors your account and lets you know whenever it's time for you to log back in and rebalance again. So to kind of sum it up, Passive is a tool that allows you to turn your brokerage account into your own robo-advisor and kind of get your wealth uh, set up completely automated so that you can spend more time doing things that matter, like spending time with your family. I like that it alerts you because I think that that's one of the most tedious parts of it is like logging in, taking a look, and then maybe like trying to figure it out, you know, where your, where your percentages are. Um, what about, what about on the educational side about like choosing what kind of setup you want to have in the first place? Do you guys do anything in that space? Not right now. There's some constraints there in the regulatory space because passive is not like registered as a financial advisor or anything of that sort. We're just a software tool. So, uh, you know, we make it really easy once you've already decided what you want to invest in to implement that plan. And we're also big believers in the idea of empowering investors through education. So to the event that, or to the extent that we can make DIY investing accessible through a great software tool, that's one part of what we do. And it's a kind of what we spend most of our time on, but we're also believers in empowering investors through education. So we have a big blog with lots of articles. We have tutorials on how to use our software. And uh, as much as we can, we try to make getting the information needed to get started as accessible as possible for everyday investors like me and you. So, um, you know, this show is geared towards parents and trying to explain things to kids, right? So um, I love the fact that you're making it very easy uh, to rebalance, to uh, reallocate. Um, why would someone want to do that? I would say there's there's like two main advantages. The first one is because it allows you to stay more hands-off and kind of do the things that matter more in your life, like you know raising your kids or going and trying to be better at work so you can get a promotion. So that's one thing. It's kind of allows you to automate away all of the tedious tasks that are normally associated with investing so you can focus on things that matter more. The other thing is that rebalancing allows you to make sure that you're always appropriately diversified. So if you have you know, a, a portfolio of a bunch of different stocks and one stock does really, really well and all the other ones do really, really poor. Before you know it, that one well-performing stock could grow to become a large portion of your investment portfolio. So that's kind of where Passive would come in to notify you and say, hey, you know, for example, your Tesla stock has gone up a lot. It's now 50% of your portfolio and you might want to sell some of it so that if that stock starts performing poorly, it won't have an outsized impact on your overall financial outcomes, you know? Yeah. So that's part of the piece that I was kind of thinking that we could cover into. And so um, kind of walk me through how that works for people that don't really understand on the investment side. Like once a piece becomes too big part of your portfolio, you're kind of beholden to that. Yeah. I mean, it all comes back to, I guess, the, the benefits of diversification versus the benefits of concentration. So these are kind of two different schools of thoughts in the world of investing. On the one hand, you have some investors who they want to do a lot of fundamental research, really learn about the investments that they own and you know, kind of get an edge by 
by way of learning a lot about the things they own. So an example of that would be like Warren Buffett. This guy owns individual stocks in his portfolio and he tries to learn as he tries to be like one of the most well-informed investors in the world about those stocks. So because of that, he has a lot of confidence in his holdings and he can really size them up and own a lot of something and feel comfortable with that. But most investors aren't like that. And instead, most investors benefit from diversification. So what that means is instead of owning a lot of one stock that you know a lot about, you're just going to take a broad bet and say, I want to own a little bit of all the big stocks in the world. And that way you get to capture all of the upside from the good performers and any of the bad performers are such a small portion of your portfolio that they won't really have a big impact on your long-term investment outcomes. So diversification is kind of really beneficial for, I would say like 90% of investors. And for the 10% who really want to do this full time and get a big edge and own individual stocks in big size, well, they can choose a concentrated strategy instead, but there's lots more risks associated with that. Yeah, it's a lot more time involved too, I would imagine. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're adding to that risk, right? Because if you're in picking individual stocks without being able to research companies, and honestly, I don't know how much information you have that's compared to the people that do it professionally, you know, because they're able totally. to pay for tools. They're able to pay for tools that are available to you so they're not, not public, but you're probably not able to afford the actual best information from the best of the top of the top, you know? <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, you're managing a little it's something like you're managing a legal, little league team and you're playing against the yankees like it's just not set up for you to win <laughs> yeah i mean you just don't have the resources to compete with the research capacity of some of the big boys right like that's yeah. just the honest truth yeah like you're buying snacks and they're buying 200 million dollar payrolls like it just doesn't work out really well for you you know so um yeah <laughs> uh you are playing the same game it's just not exactly the same so um, well, I'm curious, um, are you guys, so how long ago did you roll out passive and then what kind of mix of, um, customers are, are using it? Are, are you seeing, you know, I'm, I'm just curious as like the demographic size it's using, using your software so far. Passive was founded in 2017. And I would say in terms of our average user, I mean, like any software platform, there's people who use passive in lots of different ways, but on average, I would say our users tend to be busy professionals who are earning money. And they want to invest that money, but they don't really have time or, or you know, the desire to spend a lot of time handholding their portfolio through all of its ups and downs. So we get a lot of people who are, for example, software developers, lawyers, doctors, you know, high earners who have demanding jobs. And when they come home at the end of the day, the last thing that they want to do is go watch the markets and day trade stocks because they're tired and they want to spend time with their families. So, so that's one thing I can kind of go into. If you think it'd be helpful, I can go into specifics of a few use cases of how people actually use our software too. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear about what people are using it for because part of my thing with money talkers is that I want to open up people's, uh, I want to open up young people's minds to that entrepreneurship and jobs, quote unquote, because you ask what you want to be when you grow up all the time. And like, there's so many diverse, unbelievable, there's an infinite amount of different types of jobs and things you can use things for and that kind of stuff. And so just the idea that you could start to think about that and maybe it sparks a spark into somebody that's listening that says, hey, you know what? I didn't really think about financial software and, and some different ways to take tools and use them because software is just that mostly it's a tool. You know, you can use a hammer to do a, mul a multitude of different things. Well, it's a lot of times, sometimes with software, you can do the same thing and it helps to spark creativity. Yeah, totally. I mean, the economy is a huge place and, and I'll never cease to be amazed at the diverse number of ways that people earn an income in this world. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, so I'll just dive into a couple of ways that people use our platform, I guess. Um, we'll start, I guess, at the most basic end of the spectrum and then kind of build up to like be more complex with like three examples, I guess, just to make it simple. So on the most simple end of the spectrum, we have some investors who use our platform because they want to own a, one investment fund, one all-in-one ETF. And 
that ETF might own other ETFs. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with the term, an ETF is just an exchange traded fund. So that just means it's an investment fund that trades on a stock exchange and you can buy it or sell it kind of as you please. So these people might want to own one ETF and that's the only thing that they own in their investment account. They still use passive to manage their portfolio though, because passive will notify them whenever new cash hits their account so that they can log in and get that money invested right away without having to wait for it you know, on the sideline, not earning you any returns. So that's kind of like the most basic use case. In the middle, you might have an investor who's a little more sophisticated. They want to own multiple ETFs, maybe one stock ETF, maybe one bond ETF, maybe a gold ETF, and maybe a real estate ETF. So they have four ETFs and they want to own them each in sizing of 25%. So a quarter of their portfolio goes into each of those four ETFs. Now they would use passive for a few different reasons. For one, it allows them to rebalance whenever one of their ETFs performs better than the other so they can kind of sell down the winner and buy the losers. The whole idea of, you know, buy low and sell high, it's kind of encapsulated there. So that's one reason why they would use passive. They could also use passive to, again, get notified whenever new cash hits their account, whether that's from dividends or whether it's from regular contributions that they're making to their investment account. Passive is the tool that they need to make sure that cash is never sitting idly in their investment account without earning them a return. So that's kind of like the intermediate use case. At the super complex end of the spectrum, we have investors who are using passive to do things as complex as direct indexing. So what that means is you to kind of take an index fund that you want to own. For example, that could be the S&P 500. And instead of owning the S&P 500 index fund, you actually want to own the individual stocks that make up the S&P 500. So instead of buying the fund, you want to buy the 500 stocks in the fund directly. So that people are using passive to do that. And then they might also add on an additional layer of complexity by integrating with multiple brokerage accounts. So for example, if you had some of your investments at TD Ameritrade and you had some other investments at Interactive Brokers, Passive is kind of the only tool that you can use to integrate with both of those brokerages and manage all of your investment funds within one centralized dashboard. So that's kind of three broad use cases of how people use Passive. And I guess I'll pause to answer any questions you have because I just dumped a lot of information on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm listening because I, I, I like the fact that there's a, a multitude of ways to use the software. Um, I've heard you use the term brokerage account quite a bit. Is this also, are people using this in 401k accounts as well, or is this in individual trading brokerage accounts? Uh, both. So if you had, uh, you know, an individual trading account at TD Ameritrade, you could definitely use passive. You could also use passive if you had like a self-directed 401k where you have control over what you're buying and selling in it. Most people's 401ks are, are not of that nature, but I think, you know, as software continues to evolve and more, you know, decision-making gets put into the hands of the individuals over time, that might come, you know, trend might, the trend might be for that to become more and more popular over time, I guess. You mentioned a lot of resources you guys put out through the blogs and those kinds of things. Like where, where do you, what kind of resources are we talking about? If we wanted to um, give the listener a way to be able to go check out, you know, resources and have a um, kind of a library to be able to start introducing these concepts to their kids. Yeah. So we have, uh, I guess the, the best place for you to learn from passive would be on our blog. So you can just go to passive.com forward slash blog. We've got many, many articles there from topics as wide ranging as, you know, how to file certain tax forms to why self-directed investing beats active fund management to even topics as esoteric and complicated as what is the ETF creation and redemption process. So we have lots of kind of distinct articles on there. Um, we don't really have an all-in-one article on how to get started with investing, although that's something that we should definitely invest in. But I, I would say every article on our blog is kind of designed to add one leaf to your tree of knowledge. So there will never be one article you can read to get all the answers, but if you kind of 
have very specific questions that we've tried to pair those up with very specific answers on our website for niche specific things that you might be curious about. If you could just write the one article that we needed to read so that we could know everything, it would be great. I would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a really, really long article. If you can make it short too, that'd be great. That'd really, <laughs> um, well, you know, I, uh, I, I'm curious to have you guys, what kind of, uh, what kind of trends have you seen? Because I would say 2020 was the most insane trading year for, I mean, just a huge amount of reasons like people were stuck in home there was no sports there was you know there's such there's so many new stock trading platforms like weeble and um and uh robin hood robin hood yeah i was trying to yeah. think and so like it's and it's changed a lot because it seems like a lot of people now are kind of i see a lot of chatter in social media about stocks and it just seems like there's been a huge focus of people and we also had this massive crash and then massive run back up. And so I'm just curious, like, you know, what you guys have kind of seen in trends and, and what's kind of stood out to you. Over the long term, I would say one of the most remarkable trends that we've seen is just the rising popularity of ETFs. So to yeah. give you like a bit of history, if you wanted broad exposure to like different asset classes historically, you had to buy mutual funds. And mutual funds are good, but they're not the best solution we think for, for past investors. A mutual fund has some problems associated with it. There's more administrative fees within a mutual fund. They You can only trade them once a day. You don't really know what price you're getting into the fund at until the trade settles. So the way that mutual fund investments work is you basically send the mutual fund provider a sum of money, say 500 bucks, and they send you back a, an order completion form that says, okay, your 500 bucks got you this many units of the fund based on these closing prices and yada, yada, yada. So they're not great because on the way in, you actually don't know how much you're getting until you get back the confirmation. ETFs, I think, solve a lot of the problems associated with the mutual fund structure. They trade all, all you know, as long as the stock market's open, so you don't have to just buy them at the end of the trading day. They're a lot cheaper. They're more liquid. There's, there's lots of benefits to ETFs. And I think one of the really interesting trends that we've seen is as the ETF industry has matured, all of a sudden, it's really easy to get exposure to lots of novel asset classes that might have been hard to get exposure to in the past. So in the past, if you wanted to invest in multifamily real estate, you probably had to go actually buy a rental property, which is not really you know, what a lot of people are looking to achieve. But now I'm sure you could just go to buy a multifamily real estate ETF and it owns those properties or it owns companies who own those properties. And you can just rock and roll by buying an ETF that has that into it. Similarly, if you think cloud computing is going to be a big positive trend, like a lot of people do, you can just go buy the cloud computing ETF instead of trying to research about a bunch of stocks who might have cloud computing exposure. So ETFs have made it really easy to get exposure to asset classes that allow you to express your economic view and they're super cheap to boot. So I would say one of the big trends is like the rising popularity of ETFs. It's, it's probably never been easier to be a DIY investor. Now, with that said, it's also probably never been easier to be a bad DIY investor because what do you think happens when you get all of a sudden more and more access to data? It's pretty much free to trade any assets you want and you get all of the news headlines to your phones. Well, I think what you kind of get is a lot of overreaction from investors to short-term news. They see, you know, Microsoft reports bad earnings and they whip out their cell phone and they sell it. So I think it's never been a better time to be a DIY investor, but the introduction of more data and more software and real-time news has also made it really easy to fall into these kind of like short-term behavioral traps. So uh, some words of caution there about, you know, short-term overreactions to news and those sorts of things. Do you think that it's a good thing or a bad thing that we have all this access to the information? I think access to information is kind of always a good thing. And as society continues to evolve, information will just become more and more democratized. I mean, it's amazing what you can find on Wikipedia these days, even compared to 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's really incredible. 
I think what people should be a little more careful of is how they react to that information. So, you know, some, there's some really simple things that you can do related to your investments to kind of prevent those types of knee-jerk reactions that might hurt you for the long term. Like, I kind of always recommend to, to people, friends and family or whoever, that you should delete your brokerage account off your, or, or uh, not delete your account, but delete your brokerage app off of your phone because there's not really too many situations where you need that. If you're going to make sound long-term investment decisions, you're probably okay to just do that at your computer. The only thing that having that app on your phone is probably going to serve you for is making short-term sell decisions. So just little things like that can make a, a big difference for your long-term investment outcomes. Yeah, that's a great tip. You know, um, if, if your goal is long-term wealth is not to have short-term mentality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the way that we've kind of always phrase it is don't make long-term investment decisions based on short-term emotions. Yeah. I think that's the name of the game. It's uh, one of those ones that seems like it's a little, uh, a little easier said than followed, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. And I mean, that, that advice kind of applies to a lot of things in life, right? Like relationships and, and work. And, you know, if you can kind of just detach yourself from a situation and let it boil over if you still you know basically sleep on it if you still feel the same way in the morning you know maybe take some action on it but yeah acting in the moment could be pretty perilous if you're not careful i like the one that says uh if it doesn't matter in five years don't waste five minutes on it yeah <laughs> you know yeah my parents probably told me that a hundred times growing up so into that. <laughs> and see look what happened you got into long-term investing and in, uh and app development and building wealth right so yeah, hopefully, hopefully. time will tell i suppose yeah. Um, so are you seeing, do you guys have, uh, do you see more interest in it from young people these days than you have in the past? Uh, I mean, to, to, to some extent, we don't really query our, our users on too much private information. I, we actually don't collect information on how old our users are because that's just not just something that's necessary for how we run our platform. So gotcha. um, we're, we're not in the business of, I guess, mining data or anything like that. So we collect, I guess, the minimum amount of data on people that we need to operate our software. But I will say, our, our goal is, you know, to the extent that we can educate people about the benefits of compound interest and long-term investing, we'd love to see more and more people get started investing younger as time goes on. Yeah, you know, uh, that's the one That's the one that got me to actually change my major in college was when I learned about compound interest. And uh, it was kind of the thing that sparked this 20 years later to be uh, on the Money Talkers podcast is that little bit of data and information could change so much in people's financial futures, you know, because young people usually aren't rich in money, but they're usually rich in time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which in investing, either, both are just as valuable. I would say even time is even more valuable than the amount of money that you have at the current time. Because if you've got enough time, very few dollars can turn into a multitude of dollars. Well, here's a great thought exercise for that, that we like to ask people a lot. Would you trade places with Warren Buffett right now? So I'm like a young guy, I'm in my twenties, not super rich, not super poor. Would I trade my age to be Warren Buffett with, you know, a bajillion dollars? Not in a heartbeat. So there's your, <laughs> there's your argument for time versus money. <laughs> you know what? I love that, man. Cause I think he's in his nineties now, right? I think uh, he just turned 90 last year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I never really heard that one proposition that way. And uh, I think that's, I think that's a great way to think about it. And so that's what you hear people. Oh, I just wish I was rich. And it's like, okay, you can be rich, but what now you're old. You want to deal with that? And I think, yeah. I believe, I, I think right along with you, probably 99 out of a hundred are going to say, no, I'm not trading. Yeah. And I think, you know, the one person who would say he'd switch with Warren Buffett would probably rethink that decision after he did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I, I, I guess if there's anything else you'd like to share regarding what you guys see and what could be beneficial for parents to get into um, to kind of to kind of uh, take advantage of some of the financial stuff that you guys talk about and maybe some last words you can think about that you would leave with them. I think that to the extent that I was able to get started on the right foot financially at a young age, it was largely because of the influence of my parents. So they were pretty open always about what was kind of going on in their financial life, not to the point where it ever stressed us out or anything, but they always tried to go out of their way to educate us about how compound interest works and how decisions you make now can really kind of be, you know, exponentially grow over time based on how that compound interest works. So I guess for me, they always kind of explained it in the context of student loans. Basically, every dollar you take out in student loans now probably becomes $5 of repayments over time. So be careful of how much you take out, those sorts of things. So I would say if I have to give parenting advice, I'm not a parent, but, you know, I'm thinking about how my parents raised me. Yeah, but as, a, as a young guy who just came out of school, you're also the target of what we're talking about. And the fact that your parents talk to you about this actually makes you more important to me than talking to just a parent about how they talk to their kids, because it's one of those things where, you know... You can say it any way you want, but it's like, how do the, how do, how did you receive that kind of information and what stuck with you is I think what most parents are seeking in the first place. It's not really just necessarily the words to say to somebody. It's like, also like, what, what, what will help sink in with my kids? Yeah, totally. And I mean, for, for me, that's kind of what I remember about my parents is discussions about compound interest, student loans, and how, you know, how much val how much utility as a college student, do you get at a, spending an extra hundred bucks? If that means you have to pay back 500 bucks later. That's kind of the, the multiple that my dad always put on. I think interest rates are so darn low right now. The multiple might be a little lower, but the concept still remains. You know, you can take out money from student loans as a college student, but to be honest with you, your, your fixed expenses are probably super low. You have a low burn rate and it's probably, you know, worth just sucking it out and not having an extravagant lifestyle. If that means that you get to, you know, not have this big fat monthly student loan payment when you come out of college. So that's kind of what I always remember my dad and my mom teaching me about finances and so if I have to give advice, I would say, you know, try to educate your kids about that to the extent possible. Awesome, man. Well, listen, Nick, I really appreciate that. And uh, where do people find out more about what you guys are doing and some of that information? I know you mentioned it earlier, but um, I also wanted to make sure that people know that passive is P-A-S-S-I-V, not P-A-S-S-I-V-E, right? Yeah, there's no E on the end of passive. So if you want to learn more about what we do, the best place to go is on our website. It's passive.com. Uh, like Cody said, it's no E on the end of passive. So just P-A-S-S-I-V.com. Uh, and if you want a demo of the software or if you have any specific questions that I could help answer for you, just send me an email. My email is nick.mccullum at passive.com. I'd be super pumped to hear from any of you. So, yeah. Cool. We'll throw some links in the uh, in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and you want to find out more about this, because I, I love the fact that you were talking about with the 529 plan and those kinds of things, because there's a lot of parents that want to save for uh, educational expenses, but I don't feel like that's talked about very often as far as especially like how to rebalance or to kind of have somebody else in an automation piece be, hey, it's time to just rebalance this thing, fix, fix it, you know, and it's a quick, easy fix button. Like that takes a lot of the, I think, anxiety around those types of accounts away because the one thing you don't want to do is put money in and screw up. And, you know, it's almost like, it, it, like I think it's 85% of people are pain avoiders and 15% are like pleasure seekers. Right. So it's like 85% of people are like, I don't want to do that. Cause if I do it and I mess it up, I'm going to feel terrible. You know? And it's like, well, hold on, man, this gives you a little bit, once you get a thing set and you can, there's lots of resources on allocation and those kind of things. Once you have it set, it, it dings you when you need to fix it. You don't have to remember all the time. You don't have to make spreadsheets like your founder did. 
You know, I find, you know, those, those super complicated, you know, long-awaited spreadsheets, log into three different places, check your percentages and do all that stuff. It's just ding, here you go. You need to fix. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the whole idea is you spend a bit of time getting it configured and set up at the start and then you're on autopilot for the rest of your life. That's what we're trying to achieve. That's fantastic, man. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, money talkers, make sure you check out passive.com, P-A-S-S-I-V.com and then check out the blog as well, because I think there's, I think that's an, a great conversation starter um for the kitchen table for the money talks that you want to have with your kids like even if you don't understand it read the article with them and then you guys can talk through it to see what you see what you pull out of it also see what they pull out of it because their paradigm the way they see the world is usually very eye-opening to the conversations that you can have and as nick mentioned like just having those conversations early in life have probably changed your financial trajectory for the rest of your life not probably, I say it has, because as you, you, you already are talking about those conversations. And so having those conversations in a money talk with your kids has ramifications on the way that they see things down the road. Absolutely. So Nick, thank you for coming on Money Talkers with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Cody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at The Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker